Baseball fans, here we are again with another edition of Inside the Park. It has all been a fine baseball season, as we had talked about before. Now we're moving into the World Series. And now we're actually going to look at how is, this, how is the season going to end? What are we looking at right now? We've got two of the best teams in baseball going at each other. Two 100-win teams going at it in the L.A. Dodgers, who had the best record in the major leagues versus the Houston Astros, who had the second best record in the American League, only behind the Cleveland Indians. And you know what? This is a it has already turned into an incredible match. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. But right now, we want to just give a little bit more perspective on uh, the end of the season going into the playoffs before we start talking about uh, the World Series, which we're going to end up with. But what we want to talk about right now is just some news, baseball news that's happened since our last podcast. First, let's look at the end of the playoffs in which we when I, we, when I went off the air last time, I told you that I was looking uh, for the Dodgers to take out the defending champion Cubs. I thought the Cubs had did all that they could do, you know, to get to the uh, NLCS, and they did, and they were overcome by a very hot uh, L.A. Dodger. Uh, team and uh, the Dodgers is obviously are in the World Series. The other series, the one is what I want to talk about the most because there are a lot of news, a lot of a lot of things have come from the series that we saw with the, between the New York Yankees and the Houston Astros. And as I told you all at the last podcast, I felt that the young Yankees, the young upstart Yankees. Uh, with the veteran manager, was going to be able to get it done. I was really expecting uh, the Yankees to pull off a seven-game upset of the Houston Astros. Turned out to be the opposite, actually the polar opposite of what I had anticipated. The Yankees had an opportunity to close out the Astros, could not. Astros showed why they had one of the best offenses in the league, 
in taking out the Yankees, the, the Bronx Bombers, in seven games and moving on to the World Series to play against the L.A. Dodgers. Now, if you are a Yankees fan, you know, you should be very, very, very happy with the progress of this team. 91-71, they pretty much came out the blue. Uh, very exciting, explosive young team that's going to contend now for many years. Superstar in the making, obvious our uh, um um Rookie of the Year candidate in Aaron Judge. You know, not fine young pitching staff. You know, you have to ask yourself, okay, we've got to do something if you're a Yankee fan with the CC Sabathia. I mean, how many more years can CC give you? You know, he's becoming the Bartolo, the next Bartolo Cologne, if you will. I mean, but, uh, you know, I, I just think that the time has passed to give, hand him the rock, you know, late. In, in series. I think that that ship has sailed for CeCe Sabathia. But again, you're going against a 100-win team that knows how to win in the Houston Astros. Houston strong this year. All the credit in the world to that team. And they've moved on to the World Series. We're going to talk about the World Series again, as I said, a little bit later. But let's stay with the Yankees for a minute. Because, oddly enough, shortly after the series and moving into the World Series, the New York Yankees announced that they were going to now um, depart or part ways with their longtime manager, Joe Girardi. Uh, and they, he was not going to be retained for next year, which is kind of shocking to me. I was absolutely stunned by this news uh, in that uh, in the time that Joe Girardi has been with the New York Yankees, he's won a World Series, he's won division championships, um, and he's gone through a rebuild, and you look at this young team that he has, he moves them to within a ball game of the World Series with this young squad, and yet he's asked to uh, step down as the manager or, you know, being forced to step down. And you have to ask yourself, if you are uh, Joe Girardi, what else could I have done? You know, but when you start really reading the tea leaves of what's going on in New York, it was about time. You know, this is a young up-and-coming team, Joe Girardi, uh, clearly a manager from a different era. And with that being said, it's it's clear that the Yankees want to go in a different direction here. So when you look at that, it's like, so so what makes sense for this team? And what, what makes sense for this, for this organization? If you're going to go with a young up-and-coming manager, you want to look at somebody who's going to have at least some sort of uh, experience in, in, in managing a team, some sort of bench coach experience, some sort of championship pedigree, don't you think? And so who the Yankees are looking at, I would I would think, first and foremost, they must have an internal candidate. I can't see them going to get, like for, an, for an example, a John Farrell, who was let go by the Boston Red Sox. In another odd move, we'll talk about that in a minute, but uh, – but but if they want a young up and coming manager, that has that has, in my opinion, uh, proven to be a crapshoot uh, for some of these teams. With with the sabermetrics that's going on, they're looking for these managers to kind of use all these different numbers and data, and not so much you know sniffing the infield dirt, if you will, to really try to find out what what makes sense you know for their for their young teams. You know the proof is in the pudding, though. When you look at the Yankees, they were again a 91-win ball a ball club with an experienced manager. They are really taking the chance to try to find a manager who has not had that kind of experience. We've seen that work in different ways. We've seen it with with Matheny. It worked in in St. Louis, in Detroit, not so much. So we've seen it work with uh, the the Dodgers, but with other teams, not so much. So. 
uh, we'll keep an eye out on that. That's going to be a story going into next year and see how the Yankees pro- uh, continue to progress. Moving on to another team, though, as we're, as we're talking about, as I said, uh, John Farrell was let go uh, with the Boston Red Sox. Now, this, again, another interesting move, and an interesting move made by that front office and Dave Dombrowski. And when you think about that for a minute, that this was a team that just a few short years ago won the World Series. And granted, they've got a very large payroll. They're picking up players like Chris Sale and David Price. And they had the Cy Young Award winner from last year and Rick Porcello. You were thinking that, okay, so... Uh, this is a team that should be contending for the World Series. Won the division, right? But uh, could not get past the, the the divisional championship series. All right. So, is that a reason to get rid of this this uh, this this manager? So there's another. That's that's that was an interesting, very interesting uh, fire right there for a team that again won and this is one thing I'm looking at is these narratives is these teams that absolutely made the playoff you you look for some sort of transition for the teams that fell short for the teams that had to be um uh, sellers versus buyers. But when you're starting to see that there's three teams that made the playoffs this year that are making managerial changes, when you're looking at Boston, when you're looking at New York, and I'll talk about a little bit, uh, me and D talked about a little bit uh, last, last week on one mic, the fact that Dusty Baker was let go. All of these teams, you know, had tremendous seasons and they've let their managers go and they think that there's something better on the horizon. Now with Boston, I don't know where they go with this. I know that there was rumors, and and uh, if this was the truth, if there, if there was any truth behind this rumor, I'm absolutely stunned by it, and that is the fact that uh, that Dave Dombrowski had the audacity, dare I say, the unmitigated gall to try to interview um, Brad Ausmus, who was let go by the Detroit Tigers. I want to let that sink in for a minute for those of you who are listening to me because I know I just heard from around the nation, what? From Boston Nation. Brad Osmus was absolutely interviewed by uh, the Detroit, by I'm sorry, by the Boston Red Sox, the, the ex-manager of the Detroit Tigers. I can't understand that to save my life. Okay? I can't understand that to save my life outside of the fact that Dave Dombrowski was the ex um GM of the Detroit Tigers, but you have this team, you need to have veteran leadership manage a team like that, a team that has now become accustomed to winning. And yet I see something really raggedy in the mix. Personally, I will crack up and roll on the floor laughing if anybody of that ilk becomes the manager of the Boston Red Sox. Given what that payroll is, that that uh, ownership group will lose their freaking mind. If a move like that is made, we'll we'll keep you posted on that when we start talking about hot stove and other moves that's gone on um, uh, later on, you know, down, down the road. But we want to keep an eye on some of these managerial changes uh, with these teams that made the playoffs, that, that tried to make runs in the playoffs. You know, when we go back to the Yankees, one of the things that we talked about was the fact that uh, Girardi, for an example, um, did not ask for a replay on a game against the Red Sox. I mean, sorry, against the Indians that cost them a ball game, a grand slam that was hit. But they, but they overcame that and won in spite of that move. And again, so you're asking yourself, why are these managers uh, asked to leave their jobs? Okay, you're talking about in Girardi's case, a World Series winner. In Farrell's case, a World Series winner. 
Both of them unemployed today. When we look at Dusty Baker, okay, I'm really not sure what the Lerner family and the Washington Nationals are doing. Okay, I and I didn't even realize that until I went and did show prep. But other managers that they've had over the course of the last several years, they've only offered them two-year deals. Okay, so when you're going talking about Matt Williams, when you're talking about Davey Johnson, when you're talking about Dusty Baker, they've offered them only two-year deals, and they have not, uh, you know, extended any of those managers. You have to ask yourself why. How do you expect to find any sort of consistency in doing business that way? Okay, with Davey Johnson, again, when he was with the Nationals, another World Series winners. When you're looking at uh, Dusty Baker, you're looking at a manager that, that has had a World Series appearance as a manager, and yet he's gone. So now here are the, here are the Nationals. Uh, now, in, in four years, I'm sorry, in the last six years now, hiring their fourth manager. Okay, Davey Johnson, Matt Williams. Um, Dusty Baker, and now they've just hired Davey Martinez. Now, with this one, you would think that they finally got it right. Davey Martinez, uh, for those of you who don't know, was the bench coach for Joe Madden in Tampa Bay and Chicago. Found out he's got a lot more connection to this franchise than I had anticipated. Found out that he actually played with the Montreal Expos, 16-year Major League veteran, and now he comes in to uh, manage the the Nationals, all right? This is another, again, there, there, there is such an up and down yo-yo effect with the Nationals. I'm really not, I'm really, I really don't know what this, what this ownership group is doing with their management team. Now, you have a manager that has won you the division, got you to the playoffs two years in a row, and you get rid of him. And now you're going back to a manager who has not managed at the in, at the uh, major league level, but has been a bench coach, okay? And so what happens if, if the Nationals take a step back next year? If I'm a Nationals fan, this is driving me crazy. What did Dusty Baker do to lose his job? Okay, now that, now let's, let's face it. We talked about it. We talked about the parity that was going on with this season. You had teams that were just out of their mind good this year. You had three teams that won 100 ball games. You had another handful of teams that won 90 plus. So you knew that at the playoff level, you were not. You it was going to be serious. You had pitchers that had that broke records as far as Chris Sale over 300 strikeouts. You had hitters that hit almost 60 home runs this year. Uh, when you talk about like an Aaron Judge, so you had those top-line teams that were getting it done, okay? So you had no margin for error. There was no one dominant team in the major leagues this year, and the teams that were good were very, very, very good. So there's, so when you're looking at that competition being that equal at the highest end, how are you uh, firing managers for getting your team to the playoffs and and not and not succeeding against another team that was as equally as good. I'm, I'm I, I struggle with that. I struggle with that, especially when you're looking at the Nationals. The Nationals are very inconsistent when it comes to their management team, and so here they're going to go into next year with another yet another new manager. And this team is still prone to win, but the door is going to start to close on the Nationals because again, you know they've been knocking on the door for years. All right. And they just they they but they seem to keep going back and forth, back and forth and back and forth. All right. Conversely, 
And you guys know I love talking about this team. You look at how many managerial changes that the Nationals have made, folks, and they consistently get to the playoffs or be knocking on the doorstep. And those managers' jobs are not safe. And yet when we move out to the to the little left coast and we look at the the Angels, yeah, I'm bringing them up again. And they've got one manager that no matter what player move they made, they've fallen short each and every year. And yet this guy, Mike Sosha, just he he's just good. You know, it's it's the uncanny way baseball works sometimes. It blows my mind. I'm sitting here. It's a day before, a couple of days before Halloween, and it's like, okay, that's fright night to me when a manager can win and lose his job, and a guy that ain't won nothing in 15 years can keep his and kick back. Drives me nuts. But, you know, that I guess that's what it is. So now it's going to be Davey Martinez's turn to see if he has the magic elixir to finally get this team to the World Series, the Nationals. Or does he be re- is he ready to go in a couple of years himself? We'll have to just we'll have to stay tuned on that and find out how that works out. But again, that's another that's another hot stove conversation. But we want to kind of like get that out there to you right now. We know the World Series is going on, but there's other baseball news we want to talk about. There's also been a hire uh, of a manager, uh, Ron Garden, hired the ex manager of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, took a young, took young uh, Minnesota Twin teams, kept them competitive, kept them strong. Is now the new manager of the Detroit Tigers. In my opinion, I think this hire is four years too late. This was a manager that a lot of people, uh, Detroit Tiger fans, was clamoring for when he announced uh, his resignation or retirement, if you will, uh, from the Minnesota Twins before Paul Molitor was hired. Uh, this was a manager that's got a, a wealth of experience, have led the Twins to playoff victories, to the playoffs, and would have been a fine, fine fit as a veteran manager for a Detroit Tiger team that was still able to compete uh, for championships. When you still had a Verlander, a J.D. Martinez, a Miguel Cabrera, and Ian Kinsler, when you still had players like that all together, on this team that's now playing for other teams and playing in the playoffs, a veteran manager with playoff experience would have been the prime choice, yet the Detroit Tigers decided to go in a direction that is now, you can't deem it anything else but a bust, a failure, and questionable. In in, in hiring a Brad Ausmus, uh, again, you know, just when you think about a team that had that kind of talent on it, you think about a Justin Verlander that will be going in game six if they're uh, of the uh, World Series uh, with the Houston Astros who was dealt by the Detroit Tigers. When you think about a J.D. Martinez that helped the um, uh, Arizona Diamondbacks uh, make the playoffs this year. When you think about uh, players like Alex Avila, not so much a superstar, but a, uh, but a player that can help the Chicago Cubs. When you think about uh, Justin Upton, when you just think about all these different players that's playing for other teams that were once with the Detroit Tigers and could not get it done, and in my opinion, because the coaching staff, the managerial staff was incompetent of doing so, and now you go and hire a guy, guy in a in a Ron Garden hire, not as you're ready to rebuild. I just think that that's uh, it, what it does. It speaks volumes to what that front office is all about and what they're trying to do. But again, a a quality hire for the Tigers. We'll see how that works out with a young team. 
Other baseball news we want to talk about before we get to the World Series is, and this kind of went under the radar, folks, unless you were really paying attention, that the Marlins was bought by a group uh, led by Derek Jeter. Um, and so now you've got another uh, high-profile ex-athlete that is part of a ownership group of a major league uh, franchise. Uh, again, this is the Florida Marlins. We know that Magic Johnson is part of the L.A. Dodgers ownership group. You know, I, I like that personally. I like that personally that, that you have uh, um, these ex-players, these ex-athletes that have enough business acumen to be able to go in and be a part of an ownership group. And you know that they have that, you know, that drive to want to turn that franchise into championship caliber. I think that's awesome to, to really uh, be a part of. It's going to be interesting to see how, how Derek Jeter and his group works with the Marlins. He's already made some waves, and whether you're a Marlins fan or not, you got to ask yourself, is this uh, in, in, in good form or not? But there were some uh, former uh, major leaguers, uh, Hall of Famers, that were on the payroll with the Florida Marlins, Tony Perez, Andre Dawson, uh, that – that Derek Jeter said, you know, I want you to still stay with the franchise, but at a lesser capacity. And they were like, thanks, but no thanks. Also, Mr. Merlin, Jeff Conine, has also said he's going to leave the organization. So you you, you you wonder, is this just a rocky start or is, is, is this a relationship deal? What's really going on? But um, it's going to be interesting to see how soon that this particular franchise of the Florida Marlins, the Miami Marlins, uh, how soon do they really uh, turn it around? And what is this uh, ownership group willing to do and how soon? So that's going to be the interesting piece there. So that's baseball news for that's the baseball news going into uh, right now the World Series. The, uh, the World Series now tied at two games apiece. And when we come back, we're going to give a, a quick preview to the what I think is going to be how the rest of the World Series pans out. And my final prediction coming right after this message. This is Bob DeMars, director of the Business of Amateurs and former USC football player. You're listening to the Real Sports Guys. These guys talk real sports, and they keep it real. So keep listening. Okay, and so we're back now. And if you haven't been paying attention to the World Series, these first four games, you've missed a treat. You've missed some amazing pitching. Uh, Clayton Kershaw just came out, and he was the boss in game one. Okay, absolutely untouchable, and just and just pitched a gem against Dallas Keuchel uh, in Game One in L.A. Uh, and L.A. took that first game. The second game, it looked like it was it was Houston's offense finally decided to wake up. Teams showed why they had one of the best offenses in the league, the best offense in the league, in a in a seven to six uh, extra inning thriller. We saw. Uh, Hugh Darvish in his first ever uh, World Series appearance, kind of like pitched like it was his first ever World Series appearance, and the and the and the uh, Houston Astros back in Houston took advantage of that to at that, at that time extend their streak, undefeated streak of uh, home victories in the playoffs and winning and winning Game Three. Last night was a pitching gem for several innings. Alex Wood. The pitcher of the 
uh, for the for the Dodgers had the the Astros offense just tied in knots. Had a no hitter going through six innings, and uh, next thing you know, boom, a home run hit, and and it looked like okay, Houston was well on their way. But hold the phone, hold the phone, hold the phone. The Dodgers were not done yet. Okay, uh, Bellinger who had was over thirteen. Okay, for the for the for the Dodgers, just struggling. Couldn't he couldn't find the ball if you gave him a GPS. The Houston uh, pitching was just just dumbfounding him. Hits a a key double in the seventh inning that that sparked the Dodgers to a two to one victory. The Dodgers go on and win that game six to two. And so now here we are, two games apiece. Houston loses their first game at home in the playoffs in 2017, and now we're moving on to tonight. And a pivotal, pivotal game five. Now, why is this so pivotal? Because it sets up really nice the rest of this series. Okay, this is the third game in Houston. You're going to have Clayton Kershaw on the road against Dallas Keuchel in that wild uh, Houston Astros ballpark. And it's going to be crazy. All right. But as again, we, we saw a gem from Kershaw in game one. Kershaw has an opportunity right now to really become the MVP of this series if he shuts down Houston in this game, okay? Because we're going to go to game six. This is going to go game six at least, okay? This is pivotal because if you just say, okay, let's just mark it down. Just for the sake of argument, let's just mark it down that Kershaw is going to come out here. He's going to be Clayton Kershaw, and they're going to take game five and go back to Los Angeles three games to two. Well, now you have Mr. Clutch for the Houston Astros in game six. And this is why I really, really am starting to really start to like this series. Because game six, going back to Los Angeles, an elimination game, who's pitching for the Houston Astros? None other than Justin Verlander. Now, here's the thing. Justin Verlander just is not the same Justin Verlander in the World Series as he is in the playoffs, okay? In the playoffs, he is untouchable. But his ERA in the World Series is absolutely abysmal. For us Detroit Tiger fans that remember in 2013 when they went against the, uh, the, the Giants, I mean, Kung Fu Panda just had a field day in game one. I mean, you know, it was just like, just just throw it up there underhanded. It was it was ugly. It wasn't good in a four-game sweep. But, you know, and, and, and you can say somewhat of the same thing in game two, that Justin Verlander didn't look like he had his best stuff. But now here we are. This, this, is, this is for the Dodgers in the event that, now we're playing hypotheticals here, uh, that if they go back to Los Angeles, at 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 uh, three games to two, he's gonna have to save the lives, if you will, the play, the, the the whole World Series lives of the Houston Astros. He's gonna have to bring it on the road in a National League ballpark. So that would be interesting, you know. Then let's say for again, again, I, I love hypotheticals. This is what we do at this time of the year, right? We're gonna sit back and watch, but we you all we all got our prognostications, we all got our, our theories and these sort of things. So we get to a game six. Let's say that we have that that, that Verlander and the and the Dodgers pull it out. I'm sorry, Verlander and the Astros pull it out. Okay, now we go to that game seven. And this is folks, if 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 it don't sound like it, then then let me make it very clear. This is what I'm looking for. 
I'm looking for this seven-game series because this is the game you're going to want to watch because all bets are off, okay? Your starting pitchers would probably be Lance McCullers and you Darvish because that's, that's, who, that's who started game, uh, game, game three, all right? That's who would start, but that don't mean anything. You know, that don't mean anything. That's who would start. Everybody else is coming out the bullpen, okay, including your game six starter, Justin Berlander, including Clayton Kershaw, including Kenley's, you know, Kenley's. All these all these pitchers are going to be out there. Everything is, on, is above board. Lance McCullers, everybody is pitching in game seven, all right? This is what I'm looking for. Alex Wood, Charlie Morton, everybody's going to be pitching in game seven. Okay? And that's what I want to see. I want to see what happens. And as a baseball fan, you should want to see that too. Let this let this series with these teams with a combined 100 plus, 200 plus wins. Okay? Uh, combined over 215 plus victories this season. Let them go at a game seven winner take all. And let's see how good both of these lineups, both of these uh, rosters really are. Let's empty it out. Let's see what happens. Personally, I would like to see an extra inning thriller. I will tell you this, that I just don't see if it gets to a game seven. Uh, I still believe that the Dodgers are one of the, are, is the most talented team in the majors this year. Okay, they can pitch. They got speed. They play great defense. You've all seen it. But that doesn't mean that the Astros can't pull it off, that the Astros can't pull it off. I think the Astros needed last night to really give themselves an opportunity to win this thing, knowing that they have Kershaw tonight. If they win last night, then they would have taken a commanding 3-1 lead with Kershaw pitching tonight, and they were going to have to go back to Los Angeles, and Los Angeles was going to have to beat them uh, three games in a row. But that's not the case in a row anymore. But you still got to win four games. And right now, both of these teams have only got two. So I'm going to tell you right now, this is, this, is, this is worth the watch. Final thing I want to talk about tonight before, before we close is the very insensitive and very stupid move made by uh, Houston Astros first baseman Yuri Gurriel and his um, racist uh, gesture toward you, Darvish, and I'm not going to go into the gesture. If you if you haven't seen it on YouTube, then you you take the opportunity to do that on your own. But just very stupid, and the reason why it's stupid, and and the league responded quickly by suspending him five games in the 2018 season, which I think is 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 appropriate because you don't want uh, unless you just just sit there and hit somebody in the head with a ball bat. You don't want to give a team an unfair uh, advantage. And so I'm glad the, the league approached it that way, but very stupid on his part. And I'm um, and, and and in the in the Astros have said they're going to the to, to donate his salary, uh, you know, to charity um, because of this, which I think is is uh, again appropriate. But you know, in this in this climate that we live in right now, with with things that's going on uh, in the sports world, in in the political world, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You can't do stupid stuff. You just can't blow things off right now. The wounds right now are wide open. So you can't do stupid stuff like that. I'm, I'm 
Maybe he didn't think it was no big deal. We don't know what his um, what his relationship is with Darvish. And I know how people play and clown and stuff. But when you are where you are on a, on a big stage like that, the World Series, you're a professional athlete. You have other eyes on you. You can't do things like you do when you're hanging out with your boys or anything like that. I'm not going to be so 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 ignorant to believe that people don't do stuff behind closed doors. But when you're out in public, you've got to cool it. You've got to get cool it, and you've got to be mindful of who you are and who you represent. So that's what I'm going to say on that. But I uh, hope the young man learned his lesson, and 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 this and this doesn't diminish to what I think has already been a very well played and very fine World Series here in 2017. So, folks, I look forward to the next several games. I'm, again, I'm looking for a game. I'm looking for a seven game thriller. Okay, it can go either way. But if I got to make a, if I got to make a prediction, I got to go with the Dodgers. But I'm going with the Dodgers in extra innings. Okay, and obviously, I'm saying that. The MVP for the Dodgers is going to be Clayton Kershaw. When we come back, it just, that's our show for this evening. But our next, when our, our next podcast, we'll be talking hot stove league. We'll be talking about who's moving, who should move. Uh, what does 2018 look like? What is some of these manager shakeups? What are some of these franchises thinking about? Who's going to be our dark horse going into next year? Baseball season is coming to an end as far as the play on the field. But the play in the front office is just beginning. So that's going to be our show for tonight, folks. Uh, Make sure that you check out our other podcasts on The Real Sports Guys. And as always, the ball game is over, so please drive home safe.